This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host... Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much. And joining us in studio this morning, former Toronto Maple Leaf, Lou Franceschetti. Louis, good morning, sir. Gentlemen, great playoff hockey. Thank you for having me again. Good to have You're you welcome. back. I'm sure you've got a lot of things on your mind. So it's this pent-up demand. Uh, nah. uh, up emotion you want to get off your chest. Anyways, uh, uh, just to let our listeners know what's coming on in the show uh, this morning. Uh, at uh, about 9.20, we've got John Steinbretter, award-winning golf writer. He's down in Augusta. He always joins us on Masters Sunday. Uh, Masters is starting. Tigers on the tee with uh, Francesco and I think Tony Finau. I think they're teeing off at 9.20. They've got weather problems down in Augusta today. So uh, if you want to watch the Masters, uh, it's uh, they'll be they'll be teeing off shortly, and it'll be uh, be this morning rather than this afternoon. If you tune in at three o'clock this afternoon, you will have missed it. So if you're if you're a Masters fan, by all means, listen to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour and uh, turn your tune your TV set on at the same time. They're about to tee off. About uh, later on in the hour, we've got former Toronto Maple Leaf. Car and uh, co-host of the TSN uh, Sports Talk Show in the morning, waking up. That is, of course, Carlo Koliakovo will get his take on uh, on the NHL playoffs. Uh, a lot of things happened in Toronto sports yesterday, and most of it was negative. Naz, uh, uh, Leafs, Raptors, uh, TFC. Uh, but you're sporting your Blue Jays cap this morning. They were, the only, that, they were the only ones that won yesterday. The only one that, I don't know what, maybe the Wolf Pack did something out in, uh, in England yesterday. I don't know. They've been on a little bit of a roll, but, uh, tongue in cheek, uh, we do follow the Wolf Pack a little bit here, being across the street from Lamport Stadium. Uh, but, uh, in the teams that, uh, have been in the, in the, in the press, uh, in the playoff hunt and all of that, we didn't do too good yesterday, Naz. Well, what happened? Yeah, the Leafs uh, split, which is uh, a good thing, but the Raptors lose game one again. That's a very difficult pill to take. Lou, you made the point uh, about the Raptors. Uh, it's not unusual for them to uh, to lose uh, to lose game one. Uh, fill us in a little bit about that. Well, they're two two and fourteen in first games uh, in the playoffs in the first round and. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if this is everybody was more or less very very relaxed, just like the Bruins were in, in Game One, that they thought that they could walk all over Orlando. Uh, but you know, certain people forget that you have to play the game, and uh, the Raptors didn't bring their A game last night. And it was uh, you can't really take any team for granted because you know everybody's going to try to uh, try to beat you, no matter whether you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, the uh, right. Just so. on the topic of the Raptors, I want to throw this out to you. And a really, really great article by Michael Grange um, on Sportsnet. Um, 
taking a look at Kawhi Leonard. And, you know, we've had this whole load management thing with Kawhi Leonard all year long. Um, so we thought that we were um, resting Kawhi Leonard so that, you know, he could be more of an impact, you know, uh, load management, be refreshed in the playoffs, you know, um, have fresh legs and all of that. Uh, basketball is a 48-minute game in the NBA. Uh, Kawhi Leonard. These are the stats from yesterday, and great, great, great uh, breakdown by Michael Grange. Uh, I'll give him credit. Uh, Kawhi Leonard yesterday played 33 minutes. First game of the playoffs. This is why we gave him load management all year long. He averaged in his games that he played, played 61 games this year. He averaged 34 minutes all season long. He averaged 34 minutes. Yesterday he played 33 minutes. So he played less. Right. Uh, and he had, in, in, in this season, he played 61 games. He had, uh, 40 games where he played more than 33 minutes, which is what he played yesterday. He had four games that he played more than 40 minutes. You want to explain that one to me? <laughs> First game of the playoffs, you're, you're, in, you're, in, you're in a battle. And he plays less than he averages the whole year. See, I can play over 40 minutes yeah. yesterday. Uh, I don't get it. Uh, it's called coaching. It really is. And I know that I, 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 I watched the game last night, the Leaf game, and Brian Babcock, uh, Brian Babcock, Brian uh, Babcock is okay. trying to switch lines, like trying to match up against Boston after being so successful in game one. Just go out and play the game. Let the kids play. You're on the road. Let the guys go out and play the game. Coaches, I think, sometimes tend to overcoach or overthink when it comes to playoffs. They want to get that little extra edge instead of letting everything flow. Now, you know what? This, this load management, I'm not a, I'm not for it because I, I, I get I get the load management during the regular season. Then load up, but in the play, you yeah, know first it's, game. it's the playoffs. It's first game you've had three or four days off. Like you know, then you're at home. You know, the, the, you There's mean no the, travel. You know, the theory. You know, the the, the theory is you know your best players got to be your best players. <laughs> they can't be if they're sitting. <laughs> they on the can't bench. be if they're sitting on the bench. Um, I, I think they asked Nick Nurse about that after the game, and he, he sort of he sort of had a puzzled look. I'm not sure that he even realized it. Uh, or that's the way the game went, or the opportunities, whatever. Uh, he, he seemed to be almost perplexed by the question. Um, got a feeling we'll see a hell of a lot more Kawhi Leonard in game two. Uh, and if we don't, um, I, you know, <laughs> good luck, Raptors. Well, it's. And it's... Lowry yesterday, zero <laughs> points. Zero <laughs> points. Now, you know, we've had this debate. Uh, we've had this discussion on the show numerous times. Not going to get hung up about one game. Uh, one game doesn't make a series. Uh, obviously, you prefer winning the game than losing the game, especially when it's at home and especially when it's game one. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Uh, not unusual for the Raptors to lose game one in a playoff series. I believe the same thing happened to them two years ago in Milwaukee. I may be wrong. I believe the same thing happened to him last year. I may be wrong. My memory's not what it used to be. Uh, but, you know, well, well, I, I'm not going to get overly excited about the fact that they lost game one. Kawhi Leonard at 33 minutes makes me a little bit concerned. Well, Wally, they, uh, they lost game one so many times in the past, right? And that hasn't changed. This was supposed to change. New coach, Kawhi Leonard, all the changes they made, Casal for Valanciunas deal. And they were supposed to breeze through Orlando. They haven't done it. 
and it hasn't changed a bit. Well, it's only one game. Uh, we'll see how it develops. Um, you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I still think the Raptors are the better team, and I still think the Raptors are going to pull through in this series, but not with not with Kyle Lowry scoring zero points. Um, I don't know how much he's making thirty thirty three million dollars a year. Whether that's even relevant, I mean, he just you know he didn't have a good game yesterday. He didn't shoot well. Demar, I guess it. I I I would normally say that happens, but to get zero points in a game. I guess it happens. <laughs> it happened yesterday, but Wally wow, DeMar- is that unusual? Wally Demar Derozan uh, won last night. San Antonio um, beat Denver. Yeah, so what? So it's not- <laughs> uh, we we've had we you know we we had Demar Derozan, and there's no disrespect to Demar. He, you know, he had a a great career in Toronto. Um, his playoff runs left a little bit to be desired. Uh, great individual. Uh, I don't want to be critical of him on a personal ba- uh, personal level, but. Uh, I think the judgment was made uh, pro- correctly that he was not the guy that was going to take them to the promised land. And and I doubt that he's the guy who's going to take San Antonio to the promised land. Uh, but you know what? If, if, if DeMar DeRozan manages to win a couple of uh, playoff series with the uh, – with the with the Spurs, I'd be the first guy to congratulate him. He, how, he did he how, did he did great things for basketball in Toronto. So uh, we wish him the best. The President's Trophy winner, Tampa Bay. Oh, Tampa deep Bay. What's going on, happen? Lou? Tampa. How does that happen? You know what? That just shows you that sports prognosticators really, um, you know, lucky we do this for you know everybody. Nineteen, week, you know, they on Sportsnet, and you know when it's not over, you know, I mean, they lost the. Fr- this is we're going, last week's show. You said, watch what did I out, say? Watch out! You know, there's three things certain in life: death, taxes, and playoff upsets. So, uh, you know, nobody was calling an upset as if it's impossible. I mean. You know, I mean, upsets happen, Lou. I mean, but Tampa's exactly where Washington was, exactly where they were at this time last year, down two to zip to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And their best players, though, too. And, and after the first two home games, they are exactly where Washington was last year. Are they going to turn it around, Lou? Well, let's hope so, for, for John Cooper's sake, because it, it's just something that... Columbus has got the right makeup. The deals that they made at the trade deadline were to fill certain roles on that team. They brought in some grit. They brought in some talent. They got they brought in guys that are going to compete, and it's rubbing off on them. Like you said, they they took Washington last year to the they beat them in Wash the first two games. They come back and they lose a heartbreaker in double <laughs> overtime. Which turned the in whole, game three in game three, which turned the whole series around and turned and won and then Washington ended up going to the Stanley Cup, yeah. winning the Stanley Cup. So we'll we'll find out if Tampa's got the makeup. Uh, we'll find out if Stamkos can lead his uh, can lift his game. Uh, Brandon Point hasn't done anything so far. Uh, how do you turn? How do you turn? Going back to last year's Washington series or any other series where an overwhelming favorite. Uh, gets off to such a bad start. I mean, they're they're. They, I mean, the pressure on them must be immense at this point in time. Wasn't it three years ago that Nashville uh, played Chicago and Chicago was first overall? Yeah, they, and everybody and thought Chicago, and Nashville, they, and they knocked them out in four, four straight. Chicago scored three goals in the series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was that it, Nashville or St. Louis? Nashville. No, it was, it was Nashville, not Chicago. Yeah, uh, that's the year the Nashville went to the finals. Yeah. yeah. Um, How do you turn a series like this around, Lou? How did Washington? I mean, you know uh, Washington last year you know had the Ovi. You take you take one game at a time. 
That, that, that's the best way to do it. Go into the building. Uh, but you got to have players. You got to have players like you know we we you know we've all criticized Ovechkin over the years, but last year he just you know it's just like he says I'm not losing. He says I'm not going home this year without a Stanley Cup, and he just. You know, he, t- he took his game to uh, to me to a different level come playoff time. Um, does does anybody? How much? How much having somebody like that in the dressing room make a difference? It makes a big difference. Uh, some guys lead in different ways. You know, Ovi probably was a little bit more vocal. Uh, well, he leads on the ice. If you see yeah. him, he's a man on a mission. If yeah. you watch him now, yeah, but right? I, I, I I mean, think, he's all over the ice uh, hitting I think, people. Uh, he's, I think mean, right now, Holpi has uh, not Holpi, but Velasovsky has to steal a game for them. And say, boys, okay, I'll steal one for you. He hasn't played that good. He's got to come out and he's got to be a lot better than Bobrovsky's had. And uh, and walk into that. You know, it's going to be crazy in Columbus because the fans are unbelievable in there. And they got that can in there too. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, I think it's just one game at a time, guys. Let's go out and win the first period. Let's go out and win the second period. Let's go out and win the third period. And get the series back to uh, 1-2. And then... Take that fourth game uh, the same way, uh, knowing that they're going to get the extra game at home uh, going into Columbus. But it's listen. I've been there before with when I played in, in the mid '80s. We had a tough team. We had uh, we ended up with twenty or more points more than the Islanders, and they would come up and for whatever reason they'd come up and beat us. Uh, and it's not that we weren't prepared. It's not that we didn't play well. Their superstars just played a little bit better than our superstars, and their goaltending just got a little bit more saves or played a little bit better than our goaltending did. Kucherov is not playing today either. That'll be oh, uh, suspended. He's suspended for one game. So but he hasn't done anything anyway. He, he, he hasn't. <laughs> he hasn't done that. anything anyways in the first first two games. Uh, you know, it's it's, uh, it's interesting uh, as we said. Uh, you know, you look at all the prognosticators and, you know, 20 out of 23, uh, I guess on a Sportsnet, uh, panel or, uh, a media, media canvassing of who's going to, 20 out of 23 had Tampa winning the Stanley Cup. And not that it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but I don't think this is the well, path. Well, do they have the makeup of the team to win though, deep down? You know, they've been in first place for so long. There, there's no competitive edge there. They had nothing to play for because nobody was going to battle for the President's Cup. Now, I don't know what, what stats here, but how many President's Cup teams have won the Stanley Cup in the last 10 or 15 years? Not that not, many. Not I think many. two or three. Yeah, two not or many. Three. They get upset all the time. Yeah, even though but a lot of times they get upset in the first round. And I mean, the odd one, they get they get out in the first round. Remember that, I think that year Montreal had Halak and Net, and they knocked out Washington. And, uh, so, you know, uh, L.A., the first time they won the Cup, finished eighth and knocked off Vancouver. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it happens. It happens. It, it, it happens. happens quite That's a bit. why the games have to be Why played. is it? Lou, how, how, is, this just, is this just a function of the fact that playoff hockey is, is a different game? Uh, you tell me. Look, okay. you watch the, the game. It, it's all about intensity. Matchups. It's it's a you can't physicality. Play, you can't play like Commitment? that for eighty two games. Right? No, you can't play like you that. Can't. You it's can't. It's impossible. You'll, right? You'll, you'll, you'd you'd kill yourself. You'd kill yourself. Right? Yeah. And the first round of the NHL playoffs is the best hockey ever, and that's where you get most of the upsets. Yeah. Because generally, after the first round, things tend to settle down a bit. Yeah. Right. And it's just the intensity levels at a totally different level. And you, you look at Boston between game one and game two. Um, night and day, night and day, right? Night and day. Um, but it's it's like then so the you know during the regular season it it's it is it is a prelude to the postseason, but it's not the whole story, is it? No, it's not. It it, it really isn't. It's 
Playoff hockey is almost like night and day compared to, to what the regular season is. Uh, and, and people realize at the end of the day that they have to win 16 games. Stanley Cup is their, is their goal right now. Lou, hold that thought. Uh, we've got to go to break. Uh, the Masters is on today. Tiger is, should be teeing off right about now. We've got John Steinbrenner, award-winning golf writer down at Augusta. We'll be chatting with him right after the break. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we received this letter. My marriage is in a rut. Can you help us spice things up? Yes. Get the gourmet special. Two medium gourmet pizzas for just $24.99. He loves Canadian bacon, so he'll order a deluxe. She can order the Italian, because she loves the hot Italian sausage. Everyone's happy. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new M740. Downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. Live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.com. .ca. Uh, we're hoping to have John Steinbrenner on from Augusta. We've had problems connecting with him uh, down there. I know in the previous uh, previous times we've tried to get him on Master Sunday. Sometimes the connections down there aren't the greatest, and uh, they're teeing off right now. He might be out on the course and uh, has to hustle back because they don't allow cell phones out there. So uh, uh, we'll keep trying. We'd uh, we've always had him on on Master Sundays, uh, so we'll see. Uh, we'll keep seeing if we. Can get him on. Uh, uh, pending that, we've got Carlo Koliakovo coming on on the show uh, uh, shortly as well to talk about the Leafs. Uh, uh, of course, uh, at this time of year, the Leafs always seem to be the focus of attention in uh, in this market, and uh, they got off to a great great game on uh, on Thursday night. Uh, not so great game last night. Um, um, what was the difference in the games, Ness? 
Well, the Bruins were more physical and wanted it more than the Leafs, and the Leafs wanted it more the game before. So that's basically it. And they can't uh, they can't let up for a minute in playoff hockey. Anderson played great last night. The only, the two best players were Kadri and Anderson, and then Kadri does the old uh, routine <laughs> like he did last year. And he's going to be suspended for another three games. It he might like. he might get more this time, Naz. Um, uh, he got three last year. He's a repeat offender. Um, they've offered him the opportunity of an in-person hearing, which is never a good thing. Because <laughs> uh, when you when you give somebody an in-person hearing, that means they can throw whatever whatever punishment they want at you. I believe the max the max without an in-person hearing is six games. So are they going to go more than six games? Uh, I'm what I'm what I'm hearing and what I'm reading is suggesting that he might be gone for the series. Three games is last year, Lou. I know you're you're shaking the the, the victory sign at me, which is two fingers. Um, how can you give him less than what you gave him last year? I I can't see him giving him less than last year. Uh, what did he get last year? Was it two or three? Three, three. Okay. It's last last night's act, if you want to call it. As Brian Burke would say, it was senseless. It was at the wrong time of the game. Um, the, the kid, I, I just don't know what he's thinking sometimes. He takes his personal matters into his own hands at the wrong time of a game, of a series. If, if you're going to do that, pick the right time and the right spot when the game is out of thing. Do it. If you have to do it next year and pick, the, pick that spot next year and send a message – do it at the beginning of the next game. Just don't put your That's team all logical. In yeah. That's all logical trying yeah. to explain an emotion. And, and I'm and not I, sure whether Kadri's got any logic to his game. And and Well, he reacted hey, out of emotion. I mean, let's look. He acted He emo- acted out of emotion out of what transpired. I'm not justified. Whatever I say from here on in is not to justify no. what he did. No. You're a professional. You're in the playoffs. You have uh, 22 teammates or how many guys are dressed for that game that are relying upon you to act like a professional out there and to control your emotions and play hockey and do whatever you have to do for the greater good of the team, not for you to exact vengeance because you think you've been wronged at some point in the game. Having said all of that, hockey players act out of emotion at times. At times, Lou, and there was there was there was a significant amount, and I'm like I said, I'm not going to justify what Naz, Nazem Kadri did last night. There was a significant amount of provocation. Uh, yes, there was. There was a significant amount of provocation, and I'm sure you've seen it with teammates when you played, Lou. Some players are better at controlling their emotions than other players, and I'm sure Mike Babcock sat down with uh, Nazem Kadri. Innumerable amount of times prior to this series and read them the riot act, uh, or probably in today's world, you know, just had a nice little chat with them saying these are the expectations. And notwithstanding, uh, the counseling that Mike Babcock probably gave Nazem Kadri, uh, explaining to him what appropriate behavior is in a playoff series at that particular instant in time. Nazem Kadri lost it, for lack of a better word. His his primal urges took over, and his reason and logic left his uh, cranium at that specific point in time. It happens. 
Right. It, it it really does, and I'm not sure if it was frustration. Of course, for, it was from, frustration. Uh, the Brusque, the Brusque, the Brusque went out of his way to take his knee out. Right. You're you're, you're right. There was all kinds of you're, crap you're, going on in that all, game. You know what? It's playoff hockey. It's you playoff gotta, hockey. You got to suck it up. But you, you there was all kinds of crap going on in that game. Hey, and any little thing could change this whole series around. If that little incident, where it's a big incident, it's not like DeBrusque ran over Marlowe. He kindly, gently rubbed him up. That was a up. clean hit. It was a clean hit. and You, it just t- you took out the player. Yeah. Okay. It just took him out. Now, would, if he had not done that, would Kadri have gone but there after were other, DeBrusque? But there were other... DeBrusque was being an agitator in this well, game. That, but that's and his the, game. And the refs let him get away with it. You're right. Okay? But that's his game. Right? And, you know, the, the, you know... I've, I've read all kinds of reports that said this is like the worst officiated, worst officiated, uh, officiated playoff game in, in a long time. The refs were, you know what? And I'm not blaming them for the Leafs losing last night. The Leafs lost because they deserved to lose. Okay. It's not the refs fault that the Leafs lost last night, but it was a hor, you know what? It was a horribly officiated game. The, the refs, uh, you know, they, you know, it's like, you know, you play 82 games, and if you tap a guy, if you look at a guy wrong, the wrong way, you get a penalty in today's NHL, right? You know, During the, the regular right? season. During the regular yeah. season. What happened to the slash? All of a sudden, okay. nobody's calling no, they, Now these guys are beating the crap out of it. And you know what? <laughs> it was like last night watching Z- Zdeno Chara play. It was like watching a hockey game from, from 25 years ago because, you know— you know, guys are dumping it in, and he's he's committing interference on them because he's not fast enough to turn around and chase the puck anymore. He, he was awful in game one, right? Though, right? So you know, so the, what the what the Boston Bruins defense last night was holding up the Leafs forwards, but you can't do that in the NHL. That's an interference penalty, but they weren't calling it last night, right? And then you know, the hooking and the slashing and all that stuff. You know, you look at the guys the wrong way. So you know, it was like it was like a game out of a time warp last night, and all this stuff wasn't getting called. So all of a sudden, these players who are not used to getting hooked, who are not used to getting held up, who are not used to getting checked or being being dealt with physical, don't know how to react to it. Lou? Boston Bruins brought their A game, and the Maple Leafs didn't show up last night. That, that's all I'm going to say. If you can't play that game, you know, go, go pick another sport. I know 82 games is different. The playoffs are different than the 82 games. It's just that... We as athletes sometimes have to control and have to put individual uh, aspects or individual circumstances in the game aside and think of the team first. Anyways, Lou, I'm going to interrupt that thought. I believe we have John Steinbretter on the line. John, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Sorry about that. It's been a little, a little crazy. It's crazy. First of all, I want, I want to really thank. Augusta. Yeah. Listen, uh, just to uh, refresh our uh, listeners, John, it's been a tradition for you to be with us on Masters Sunday. You're at Augusta. You write for Masters.com. You're a senior writer with the Global Golf Post. Uh, we love your work. Uh, numerous awards for golf writing, and you've uh, you've joined us on Masters Sunday uh, for for a while now, and we've always appreciated it and uh, thanks so much especially under today's circumstances because the tournament's uh tiger's already teed off from what i understand i was on the range today at six fifteen. um so it's an early start for us it's a, a very different start usually you can count on the first groups going off at 10 o'clock in the morning and the last groups at around two forty-five, three o'clock in the afternoon and with the storm uh, bearing down on Augusta, it's supposed to be a pretty big one. Uh, we had uh, 
tea time starting at 7.30 this morning, three sums instead of two sums, and going off both the first and the tenth hole. Um, so that has never happened before on a Sunday in the history of this tournament, which goes back to 1934. And it's made kind of for an interesting time. It, the range at around 7 o'clock, they still had the floodlights on. Um, there were about 15, 20 players on the practice putting green, kind of elbow to elbow, because <laughs> there's three times as many uh, golfers per tee time today as it usually is. And it's uh, and, and there's a sense of foreboding in the air just from the, uh, the weather that's coming and the feeling that it is going to rain, it is going to storm, and we're all praying that we can get it done before that hits. Uh, well, just in terms of weather reports, I know you're a golf writer, not a weather prognosticator. But uh, when's this weather? When's it scheduled to blow in? Are they going to? Are they? Uh, is is there going to be rain? Can we expect rain like the last six or seven holes, and then major storm? Or what's the well, timing on we this? Can, we can we can certainly expect wind. And it's funny you say I'm not a, a meteorologist, and I'm <laughs> certainly not. But we're all talking as much about the weather this morning as we are about the golf. But I think you can expect wind to be picking up later in the morning and getting in the 20 and 30 knot range by early afternoon. So that's going to be complicated. Uh, rain, they're looking at kind of mid-afternoon coming in. And they're talking about, though, hail possibly and things of that sort. And it, they're worried about it to such an extent that um, there's going to be no green jacket ceremony outside on the terrace putting green per usual uh, just so they can get patrons off the golf course and, and keep everybody safe. So that's sort of the anticipation. We all don't know exactly when it's going to hit, but I think the players are supposed to get done around 2 or 2.30, and I think the rain's supposed to hit around 2 or 2.30. <laughs> so it's going to be uh, right down to the wire, and it should make for a very interesting day. We're talking to John Steinbretter from uh, from Augusta. Uh, John, uh, every time we chat on the show, we usually we usually chat two or three times a year, and it's inevitably inevitably when uh, when we chat on this show, John, it always seems like Tiger's a part of the conversation. Uh, and you uh, you know you've uh, you write for Masters dot com, and the headline is. The John Steinbretter headline is patrons, and they don't call them fans down in, in, in Augusta. They're called patrons. The patrons roar as Wood stays in the hunt. Uh, Tiger was five under yesterday, his lowest round in the Masters since 2011. The first time he's in the final group since 2007. Tell us a little bit about the buzz, the buzz what? in Augusta. That well, Tiger's nobody creating. in the game moves a needle like Tiger Woods. We know that, and especially down here, you know, for all his foibles and transgressions and different things that people feel about him, and he is kind of controversial in some way. People in this uh, at this golf course in this tournament are just seem to be almost united in their love and admiration for Tiger, and in their desire to see him uh, win here again. I mean, you know, we all love a comeback story in the states. It's a big part of our psyche, our culture, our ethos, and, and sports especially, and I think people are rooting hard for Tiger. And it's amazing how much louder the roars were for him. Uh, yesterday, you could tell Tiger roars versus the others. And when he went off that first tee yesterday morning, excuse me, uh, yeah, it would have been yesterday morning, I mean, people were just applauding and roaring and, and, and encouraging him with great vigor. And uh, he just is he is definitely a crowd favorite. If you listen to the uh, patrons and listen to how they react to him, 
you know, Molinari is very popular. People are loving Finau and what he's doing. And, you know, Kepka, you know, Kutra, Webb Simpson is, is a big favorite here, but there's nobody that has loved at this golf course and at this tournament like Tiger Woods. Uh, talking about you, uh, you also wrote an article about Francesco Molinari, who's uh, with, uh, with the alar- with the large uh, Italian population in Toronto. He's a, he's, a, he's a favorite up in this part of the this this neck of the woods as well. Uh, uh, but uh, the uh, the thought was that Molinari was going to be in tough today because he's in the final group with Tiger. We got all these crazy Tiger patrons are going to be roaring like crazy. But Molinari's already had this experience already. He was paired with Tiger at at Carnoustie at the Open Championship. Uh, size up Molinari's game because uh, you know I was watching yesterday. The leaderboard was out of, off the charts yesterday. It's it's an incredible leaderboard. Uh, but Molinari, he just seems unfloppable. Listen, he's impressed me a lot. I've always been sort of a fan of his. I lived in Southern Switzerland for several years, and I I love the Italian Giusto, and I love the lifestyle, and I love the people there very much. And so I've sort of followed Molinari and his brother, Eduardo, who won the uh, 2005 uh, U.S. Amateur. And they both played on the Ryder Cup team in 2010. And I've always enjoyed him, but he's just has never quite had the game. He's never been much more than kind of an average tour professional, which is, you know, pretty damn good. But it's, you know, relatively speaking. And um, he, a couple years ago, really decided to do something with his game. He was playing in the um, in the British Open at Hoy Lake, I guess it was, and he was in the final group on Saturday with uh, Rory and Dustin Johnson, and they were just killing the ball compared to what he was, and he was 30 or 40 yards behind him all the time. He just sort of decided, I've got to do something with my game, and so he began this process, and I believe it was 14 when they played at Hoy Lake, so began this process five years ago of trying to get his game his entire game, including his nutrition, his uh, physical fitness, his clubs, his short game, his putting, where he really was lacking. And he's worked toward that, and it's just it's paying dividends now. You know, he won a couple of tournaments last year, won the Quicken's Loans in the States. He won the Open Championship, of course, had an epic Ryder Cup uh, experience, won five points. And then, of course, he wins Bay Hill, a couple of weeks ago, and the guy is—he speaks in such a monotone. He seems utterly unflappable, uh, pretty steady emotionally, and he just is killing it right now. And I think it's—he's had one bulk in the tournament so far. I mean, he's—he's he's just playing brilliantly and with a lot of confidence and a lot of verve. And I'm just watching him as we're talking right now. Just um, you know, watching him tee off and trying to see what hole that is. Um, and he's at number three. He's just, he's crushing it. So um, I think he's a real factor here. I don't think he's hes intimidated by Tiger or the stage that he's on. He's won a major championship, which I think is a huge thing here at Augusta, that if, if you haven't won a major yet, that's one thing. If you um, have won a major, I think it helps calm your nerves in this big setting. John, um, we were he's very talking, impressive. Sorry, John, we were talking before the show, and we were talking about the physical fitness level of the golfers today and how that's changed. Is it, how much of an impact has it made? Oh, it's huge. I just watched Tony Finau tee off a number two, for example, and this guy is just, um, that's where uh, Molinari was just hitting it as well. And these guys are, are specimens. These guys are physical specimens. They're true athletes. I mean, you got Tiger and Finau. You know, you look at Rory, you look at, uh, you know, Kepka, of course, uh, 
you know, DJ doesn't have the muscle mass that Rory and Kepka do, or Tiger, but he's still extremely fit. Um, and uh, the physical fitness has a lot to do with their success. I mean, the equipment they're dialed in on, uh, they've got the, uh, you know, the, the head coaches, they've got the swing doctors, but they are so fit too. And that makes a huge difference. And it makes a difference at Augusta because this is a, a rigorous golf course. This is a hilly golf course. It's a hard one to walk four days in a row. And so that fitness is important in that regard as well. Well, John, where, where do you put him in as in, in that uh, in that group right there? Because <laughs> we had a big joke at the at the start of the show that uh, we always used to watch with the, the Europeans because they had so much personality. Uh, with with him and as in a cigar and doing all those exercises at the first tee. <laughs> well, don't you love to see you guys smoking while we're <laughs> you know? There's so always a night. There's mind. always an outlier in in every crowd. Uh, John, we won't keep you much longer. You know the the Masters is on. You've got work to do, and uh, you gotta you gotta get out there and enjoy the tournament as well. Uh, so just uh, we'll wrap it up this way, John. What what are you expecting? Uh, what what are you expecting? What do you foresee? Uh, we're going to see today. Well, I did, I just think what's going on. Um, you're going to see today is the, the greens are still pretty soft. I think you'll see a lot of birdies. I think you'll see a lot of balls hit right at the pin. Players can score. They feel like they can get at the golf course. Right now, they feel like they can get at the pin. So I think you get a really, it's going to be fascinating, especially this afternoon, especially with those on top of the leaderboard. Um, I kind of like Molinari. I, I just think he's been playing so well, but you could really have a wild back nine. And I just would, you know, tune in, fasten your seat belts and, and <laughs> just have a great day. It's like the British Open, right? It's great watching it in the morning and, you know, breakfast at Wimbledon, breakfast at St. Andrews, where we have breakfast at Augusta. And I just, I think it's going to be a great ride. Uh, I, you know what, uh, Tiger, I, I've got a soft spot to see it. That would be like Jack in 1986, which was my most, uh, my favorite uh, Masters of all time, watching Jack uh, Jack win in 1986. Seeing Tiger win today would be historic. Seeing Molinari would be uh, personal for, for some of us up here uh, because I'd love to see what he puts on the menu next year uh, at, the, <laughs> at the dinner. It would be the first time the first time we have some real Italian food down at Augusta. So uh, uh, I'd, 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 be, well, yeah, I'd I mean, be fascinated. It depends what part of Italy he's from, John. Oh, he's from Torino. Torino. To get that his vegetarian lasagna. Is <laughs> of, uh, no, I, I guarantee would really it's, it. it's so good. You get three guys in that final group alone. I mean, you know, Finau is such a is such a great story. He's a wonderful kid. He's a great golfer. It's just so much fun to watch. You got Tiger and you got Molinari. It's just it's a great group. And you're right, the Tiger one would be. Be a star. Great to write. It'd be great to watch, and it would be historic. John, I know we'll let you go. You're a big hockey fan. Uh, we know that. Uh, really, really quickly, who's going to win the Stanley Cup? Well, not my New York Rangers. <laughs> so I'm not much good at procrast. Uh, pro, uh, I don't even want to know what the word is. Uh, sorting out who's going to do well right now because I've kind of stopped watching hockey. But uh, uh, I, I really just have no idea on the hockey stuff, even though I wrote hockey for dummies. I've just been so out of it with my Rangers in the rebuild mode and I'm in masters mode. So, so I'm afraid I can't help you. On so that. we'll let you, we'll let you, we'll leave you that. You'll say you're going to be a Leaf supporter for the rest of the Stanley Cup players. I always support the Leafs. I go back <laughs> any of the original six. I love. Listen, John, you know how much we appreciate this tradition of you joining us on Masters Sunday. Uh, enjoy the Masters and we look forward to, uh, to a great, uh, rest of the morning and early afternoon. Thanks so much. 
Hey, listen, thank you guys very much. Have a great day, and it's always good to be on with you. Appreciate stay, it. Stay dry. <laughs> Take care, John. Anyways, that was John Steinbrenner. We're uh, time to go to break, and we'll be right back from the break with Carlo Koliakovo. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I realised that, unlike pizza, you can enjoy Pizzaville's authentic panzerotti with just one hand. Pizzaville and its entities, owned in whole or in part, have no interest in knowing what you do with your other hand while you're consuming one of our panzerotti. Seriously. Get two authentic Italian panzerotti with cheese and sauce for just ten forty nine. One for each hand. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. Bridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. Joining us now on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, uh, former Toronto Maple Leaf and co-host uh, first up on TSN Radio, uh, Monday to Fridays, Carlo Koliakovo. Carlo, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday to you, too. Happy Master's Sunday. Uh, yeah. For, for me, this is always the first day of spring. Just so that you know, Carlo, uh, we have uh, joining us in studio this morning somebody who purports to be a friend of yours, also a former Toronto Maple Leaf, Lou Francescetti. Hey, what's up, Lou? How are you, buddy? Hello, how are you, my friend? As we got, well. I, I think we got a lot of Italian testosterone uh, going on today, and that must be uh, that must be Molinari. Molinari's going to win. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, the Leafs going to use some Italian testosterone last night. <laughs> hey, Carla, we can go back to our ball hockey days, can't we? With your little pa- brother Paolo there playing D. <laughs> yeah, he huh? still plays. <laughs> hey, maybe you know what? You guys got a little bit of vim and vigor still. Maybe we can suit you guys up for Monday night. Uh, throw yeah. you guys out there, Lou. You still? You, uh, you think you can? I'm good. Oh, would I'm I love good. a taste of the Bruins right now? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Anyways, talking uh-huh. about a taste of the Bruins, Carlo, uh, your assessment. Um, 
We had, we had a discussion. I mean, the, 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 obviously, the story arising from last night's mm-hmm. game. Uh, the, the obvious story is the the Bruins took uh, played like we thought they were going to play in Game uh-huh. One. Uh-huh. Uh, so, give us your reaction to that, and after that, uh, Nazem Kadri. Well, I want your yeah. thoughts. Go ahead. Well, this, this was like you said. This is the Bruins team that I expected to see, and um, you know, just based off of Game One, I was I was just scratching my head at, at the whole strategy that Bruce Cassidy was going with. I mean, he altered for speed over grit, and that type of mindset uh, filtered out through the whole team on Monday or uh, during Game One for the Bruins, and the Maple Leafs took it to them. Uh, you want to play the Maple Leafs with a speed and skill game? They're going to beat you. If you want to beat the Maple Leafs the way the Bruins played last night and make it uncomfortable and hit everything in sight, well, that's how that's that's how you're going to beat the Maple Leafs. So uh, that's the type of game that I expect the Bruins to play in this series, and you know that's that's their blueprint. And if they do that for the rest of the series, um, it's going to be a difficult one for this Maple Leafs team to win because they gave me no indication with their effort last night that they want any part of this type of, of playoff game that the Bruins are willing to throw at them. So I was a little disappointed. Um, I was really in, impressed with the way they played in game one. And, you know, they always say that to start off a series, you always want to split uh, two games on the road. Well, the Leafs got that in the first game. And I thought that they would have put more of a priority uh, to try to get two out of there. I mean, you see some of the other teams in the league that have done that, like Columbus and St. Louis. And, you know, they've, they've grabbed a stranglehold in the series. And for the Maple Leafs to not even compete the way, um, to me, right from the drop of the puck, didn't look like they wanted to play. They didn't look like they wanted to win the game. And the, and the Bruins took it right to them, and their star players disappeared. Carlo, uh, I know you played a little bit after I did. Uh, and I'm not, I can't even remember if, if the game was that much different than the playoffs, uh, from the, uh, from the 90s to, uh, to the late 80s. Do you think the Leafs star players or skill players are feeling a little bit more uncomfortable about playing the Bruins style of hockey? Uh, well, where, where the I Bruins... think that's been evident all year. Um, you know, you, you, if, you, if you try to dissect uh, the, the Leafs opponents all year that have played them physical, um, you know, the Leafs have a, have a <clears throat> losing record. And you could tell those are types of games that they don't feel comfortable playing. Um and, and all hockey has changed. It's, it's gone towards young speed and skill, but it always changes come playoff time because playoff time, you play a team for seven games in a series, you're going to develop hatred towards somebody. And, you know, perfect example is, um, you know, um, Kadri and, um, who's the kid that's brusque? Brusque. Debrusque, yeah. Debrusque, yeah. I mean, Debrusque yesterday, yeah, he played on the edge, but he played between the whistles. And, you know, he got under the Maple Leaf skin, and in particular, Nazem Kadri. And Nazem Kadri, you know, for how well I thought he played yesterday, because that that's what playoff Nazem Kadri is supposed to play like. I think I can speak on behalf of a lot of Maple Leaf fans, and I'm disappointed with the decision he made again this year. Um, this is two years in a row where, you know, you want to have success in the playoffs, and you let your emotions get the best year because of, you know, maybe the referees didn't have their best game calling penalties, and you let a player like DeBrus get under your skin, and you you take a vault, you, you make a vulnerable play, you cross check him in the head, and now he's going to get suspended for probably most of the series. And what does that do? That hurts the Maple Leafs because it takes away 
one of their strengths in this series. And one of their strengths in this series is matchups. Now they're going home where they have the matchup advantage, but they've just been taken. It's just been taken away from them because, uh, you know, of a, of a, of a brain fart that Nazem Kadri had because he tried to get back at a guy. Well, if you want to win playoff hockey, it's about having controlled emotions. You've got to control your emotions in that, in, in, in those instances, and especially in a 3-1 game. Like the game wasn't out of hand. There was still, you know, six minutes left in the game. And, you know, anything could have happened. But now you've basically handicapped yourself for the rest of the series. And that's really, really unfortunate for the Maple Leafs. Carlo, uh, John Tavares is taking a pounding in front of that net. And uh, the Leafs don't seem to have an answer to protect him yeah. at all. And that really is bothersome. Well, it bothers you, but <laughs> what you've been watching all year, have you not? I mean, this has been this has been the criticism that they police have faced all year. They have no response for this type of play. I mean, granted, I thought Jake Muzzin was uh, the best player on the ice in game one, but you see who the, the Bruins targeted in last night's game. Every time he touched the puck, he was picking himself up off the ice. And those are that's, to me... The, the investment that you have to make in a seven-game series to win a series is, regardless, win or lose, in the first two games, you've got to hit everything in sight. No, let guys know every time they punch the puck, they're going to get a body on them. And you saw that, you know, you saw the evidence last night with the Bruins. They made an effort, an extra effort, every time one of the players on the Maple Leafs touched the puck, they were laying a body. And it's not, it's not, you know, laying guys out or making a highlight real hit. They were just making it known the guys that when you know they went back to get the puck where they were receiving the puck they were going to get hit and that trickled down throughout their whole lineup you had star players like Marshawn and Pasternak Pasternak was throwing body checks <laughs> and you know for the Maple Leafs they just had no response you talked about John Tavares yeah there probably should have been a penalty on the high stick call but the the referees are letting these guys play and in order in order if that's going to happen the Leafs can't sit there and just complain about the referees They've got to respond. And how do you respond? Well, you play between the whistles, you battle on each puck, you battle for body positions, and you play in their face. And they just it, it just showed that they clearly wanted no part of that last night. We're talking to Carlo Koliakovo, co-host of uh, First Up on TSN Radio, Monday to Friday. Carlo, uh, there's a lot of criticism of the officials last night. I'm, I'm going to preface this. And re- rightfully so. And rightfully so. I'm going to preface the remark as I will. The, the, the officials did not caused the Leafs to lose the game. So that's not where I'm going with this. Yeah. The Leafs lost the game on their own merit. But what 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 disturbed me or what upset me about the way the they let they let it go and that's the way that's the way hockey used to be played in the playoffs. That's that's yeah. that's hockey 20 years ago. You let yeah. everything go, especially but what 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 they let go last night in my opinion, and I want your reaction to it, fundamentally altered the way the NHL is played today. The Boston Bruin defensemen were holding up the Leafs yeah. at their blue line, uh, which in today's NHL is an automatic interference penalty. Chara was doing it all night long. You know, that you got to call uh, because that changes the way the way you play the game. Your reaction to the officials? Yeah, no, I, I think I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, you can even go back to the first shift when uh, Hyman is chasing down a puck uh, on the forecheck and then he gets interfered with by McAvoy and there's no call. And you're, you're absolutely right. Um, there has to be a level of consistency carried over from the regular season, regardless if it's playoffs. If it's, if it's an obvious call and you're, you're, um, you're, you're interfering with a guy 
uh, in the path of a puck when he doesn't have it, um, it should be a penalty. And, and to be honest with you, I, I totally agree with your assessment of the referees. The referees, um, yes, they let the guys play, but they also have to understand the temperature of the game and measure that to the emotions that are involved in the game because you start letting stuff go, you're going to create some frustration, especially in a rivalry that's already heated with some players on the ice that already have some history. You saw the Bronx get away with, you know, a multiple, uh, which I should have been, which should have been called penalties, uh, liberties that he was taking on guys. And when players in those instances continue to, to, to see the referees let those guys play, you know, the perfect example is, you know, the, is Nazem Kadri. Nazem Kadri comes out of the box. He makes a play on the puck. And I, I, I'm going to question some people's opinion on knee on knee because there was knee on knee contact. But regardless if you want to call it knee on knee contact, that's a penalty. He takes, he, he, he tripping, kneeing, whatever it is. He doesn't make a play on the puck there, which ultimately causes Nazem Kadri to fall down. And there's no call there. And that just continues to escalate. And when the referees don't have control of the game and are not letting the players know that there's a fine line between playing hard, playing competitive, and, play- and taking penalties, this is the result you're going to come up with. So uh, I think the referees have to take a look in the mirror and take some responsibility for some of the things that happened in last night's game. But, you know, the referees also shouldn't dictate the way the game is played. And uh, the players have to do that. They have to respond to it. And whether or not they're getting the calls or not, they still have to play between between uh, within the rules, and they still have to find a way to compete between the whistles and not take any liberties. The Maple Leafs are the worst team in the league this year for drawing penalties, and they should know that going into the playoffs, that they're probably not going to get the calls that they think they're going to get. So they can't let their emotions get the best of them. And last night, they definitely did. And if they continue to do that throughout the, 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 the remainder of the series, this is going to be a short series for the Bruins. Luke? Carlo, I, we all understand the frustration coming from an individual who played in a lot of emotion during the playoffs. You really got to know on where to draw the line there. And, yeah. and I'm not saying, listen, Kadri, Kadri is a perfect guy for another team to go after because I think he's the guy... They, can, they know that, they can that, get that under make, his skin. Yeah, that's yeah, why he's, he's the, the only guy off. that he can really get under that skin. <laughs> yeah. uh, because right now Matthews is playing with no emotion. Marner is Marner. I don't know even know if Patrick is Marner even playing. So is William Nylander playing with a heartbeat? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you have to, as an individual and as a team, you've got to you've got to realize the moment. You, you've got to more or less uh, adjust your game. They were told before the playoff start. Every playoff series is going to be different. Mm-hmm. You look at all the other playoff series. There's a lot more stuff going on in the St. Louis uh, uh, series. There's a lot more stuff going on, on, on in the other series as mm-hmm. as there is in Toronto series. So you, as an individual, as a team, have to adjust to the style of game that that is going to be played. Now, I'll I'll guarantee you, like you probably have, is that game three it's going to be closely watched. <laughs> they're they're going to come out. And oh, yeah. I they're going to call referee, everything. Yeah, you the watch. referees will be told. They're going to call everything. Yeah, to and they're going to ruin it. the game the other way. Yes, they're going to ruin. Uh, so okay. if you don't have a referee, which we had back 20 or 30 years ago, that had a feel for the game, they knew that two teams, Montreal and Toronto, they were going to battle tooth and nail. Play the game, but play it within the lines. They're going to let you play. But once you cross that line, and I know Kadri did it late in the game, that they're not going to take that. They're going to nail you as soon as they possibly can. 
And, and rightfully so. I mean, that that was a, a really immature, dumb play by Nazem Kadri. Um, you know, there, there's there's no other way to describe it. Um, this is a team that wants playoff success, and for the last two years, Nazem Kadri has put himself in front of the team and has taken away the chances of having playoff success because of an immature, dumb decision he made in an instant. And that's the difference between winning and losing. And for the Maple Leafs, this is what... Carlo, unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to have to cut you off there. Uh, we're we're just about to run out of time. The producer's already buzzed in my ear. That, oh, no uh, worries, man. Uh, you, know, you know what live radio is like. Uh, but uh, <laughs> 10 seconds, 10 seconds, yeah. is Tampa coming back? Um, good question. Let's see what happens in Game Three. They have ability, <laughs> without, without, without Nikita Kucherov, it's going to be an uphill battle. Anyways, we've been talking to Carlo Koliakovo. All of our listeners, I highly encourage you wake up early, listen to him. He's on TSN Radio with Michael Landsberg Monday to Friday. First up, it's a great show. Uh, Carlo always breaks it down, uh, and uh, I highly encourage all our listeners to uh, tune in and listen to Carlo every every morning. Carlo, thanks so much. Oh, we lost them. Carlo, uh, have a great... Anyways, uh, uh, we've got about 20 seconds left, Naz. I'll, g- I'll give you the last word. Uh, very important week for the Toronto Maple Leafs, that's for sure. Anyways, uh, we've got to get out of here. It's time to go home and watch the Masters. Lou, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Have a great week, everyone. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.